0: Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, um, chapter 5, verses 10 through 47. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, the man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said, Who is the man Who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Truly truly I say to you whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life he does not come into judgment but is passed from death to life Truly truly I say to you an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of god and those who hear will live for the father has life in himself so he has granted the son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the, res- good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek my own, not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. For the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given to me to accomplish the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has sent me has himself borne witness about me, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. You search the scriptures. Do not think I will accuse you to, my, to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, there's a lot of red words there for us to read a lot of thick stuff theologically um, to work through. I urge you, um, those of you who aren't in community groups, to go to those community groups. I've been hearing about some good conversations, discussions around the Word of God here. And so, you know, when I preach, um, of course I can't get into everything. Um, And in those settings, like community groups, you have an opportunity to, to dig deeper, to ask questions, Um, and along with community groups, our Sunday Morning John class is another opportunity to ask questions about a lot of this. There is a lot in this chapter, so we're going to skate, you know, we're going to get into it, but we're not going to be able to go as deeply as I would like you to go. Um, Remember to continue to bring your Bibles to church church, um, so that you can follow along with the Word of God and be encouraged to read it yourself at a later date. I'll do that after church. As we continue in the book of John, last week in chapter 4, a Samaritan woman had what I would describe and we could describe as a watershed experience with Jesus. Her life was completely changed. If you didn't get to hear that message or didn't get all of it, I urge you to go online. I think some of the messages are on our Facebook page. Yes, you can go and like us on uh, Facebook or the website to hear it, Uh, this week Jesus comes upon a man that has been crippled for a long time, waiting to enter miracle waters, the pool of Bethesda, and, and be healed. Now, we didn't get to put all in the bulletin. Believe it or not, there's more scripture here. Let's read the part that we didn't read in our printed text to kind of get us in. If you want to listen, that's fine. If you have your Bible, even better beginning at chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there is a feast of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, Is it the sab- It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, the man said to me, That man said to me, Take your bed, take up your bed and walk. I remember when I was left alone with my younger brothers to babysit that. I was the oldest of three. Terrence was four years younger than me. Joel, nine years younger than me. And you can just imagine what could have happened over even a two- or three-hour period, home alone with a 12- or 13-year-old big brother, babysitter, with only the nosy, trusted neighbor aware that we were there alone. All kinds of foolishness went on. I remember trying to make popcorn on the stovetop, this before microwave popcorn, but make popcorn on the stovetop like mama did and trying to cover the burned smell of kernels by cleaning the walls with pine saw. I remember playing the, the boy version of house. Right? With the house being an adventure and us having to take magic health pills in the way of those almost-taste-like-candy-vitamin-C tablets. Yeah, four or five at a time. To only be chased by the magic crystals, a.k.a. handfuls of rock salt. I remember looking back at what a tyrant I was. I was harder on my younger brothers and with with the rule, even with the rules that daddy would give. I became a tyrant king, striking fear in my brother's hearts of being locked in the room or or not allowed to get their chance on the Atari. Y'all know what an Atari is? We had the Sears version. I wasn't just a poor stand-in for daddy. I was not a very good son. And at times, a terrible brother. We, along with this man in our story today, find ourselves in a world that can feel fatherless, guardianless, fearful, oppressed, Damaging. In a world with poor big brothers like the Pharisees in this story who here who oppressed people with rules about the Sabbath and judgments about sick people that God the Father never intended. Big brothers in the Pharisees who ruled disconnected from the Father God's will but want all the self-glory they could get. We live in a world like this crippled man found himself in where we are left turning to superstitions about potions and waters that can heal only if we are ambitious and quick and strong enough or have enough real or or true friends. We live in a world that if you are alone, you are done. We are often left in this world feeling and living like a fatherless and friendless child, much less a motherless child. And truth be told, like children left babysitting themselves, even with God the Father's rules, we are stuck being legalistic or sick or sinful and oppressed and outside of the redemption and blessing God the Father has for us. So, God sent his son. But this was no ordinary big brother or son. This was the son of God who came to our messed up world to redeem us. Because here are your points, only two points today. He, Jesus alone, has the authority to redeem us. Point one, sub points, because he was God and because he has the ability Right? And then, second point, he, Jesus, alone has the love to redeem us. Subpoint one, because he perfectly loved God and perfectly loves us. This whole dispute of healing starts in this story, not because Jesus healed the man or because he was healed, but because he was healed on the Sabbath. Understand that the Sabbath was supposed to be be the day of rest for God's people. God himself rested after his creation of the world. And God's people were called to rest from their work to, to celebrate and consider and reflect on God's words and God's goodness like God himself did at creation. Nothing was supposed to get glory or attention for working other than God on that day. And to make sure of this, the tyrannical big brother, the Jewish religious leaders started putting extra rules and fences around the rule itself. No one could get medical care on the Sabbath unless they were about to die. Like this crippled man did when he was healed, he would be looked down upon for picking up his bed and then moving to another place. So even if he was healed, he was supposed to sit right there and wait for the Sabbath to be over. And believe it or not, it was wrong for a person with healing ability to heal. Or even wrong for someone to help this man get into the waters to be healed on Sunday. Even if those angels showed up and stirred the water and that was the time you're supposed to get in. A person, if someone were to get up and walk into that pool on the Sabbath or help this man in, it would have been breaking the Sabbath in the minds of these tyrannical, oppressive big brothers. Jesus not only broke The Sabbath rules in the eyes of the religious leader Pharisees. But by successfully healing this man on the Sabbath and then then saying this in verse 17. But Jesus answered him, my father is working until now and I am working. It meant what verse 18 was saying. This was why the Jews are seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father what? making himself equal with God. And guess what? That is exactly what Jesus was saying. He alone has the authority to redeem because first, he was God. Jesus doesn't really disagree with them directly. He is like, sure, okay, only God should work on Sunday. And so guess what? I am not, I am only doing what the Son of God, God come in the flesh and obedient to the will of your Father God would do. Jesus is saying by doing this, you might be resting from work because you are mere men, but on the Sabbath, I am the Lord of the Sabbath and I can work and be glorified and give that glory back to the Father on the Sabbath. And he explains it this way. Look with me at verse 19 through 24, and then at verse 30 through 36. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works in these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, So also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come to judgment, but has passed from death to life. Then verses 30 through 36. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, um, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not only that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater. Than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. In other words, Jesus' teaching I have divine insight and relationship with your Father God. When I do, God is doing it perfectly through me and in me because I have perfect, exacting, precise connection with him. When I do it, Or I say it, God the Father is doing it and saying it. Because I perfectly and clearly see him do it and listen to him tell me to do it. I am in the divine cloud of God persons as a son of God. In my perfect submission to Father God, I am divine. I am claiming to be God. I am God. So I have the authority to redeem anyone. Anytime, in any way that I see fit, and no one can tell me differently unless they are God too. There's more here. This was an extreme miracle that Jesus did because he's not only healed, not, he not only healed a man, but he healed a man who was sitting there for 38 years. Some of us get upset with God when something don't go right for, for, for 3.8 hours. The thinking of the day would have been that the man or parent sinned real bad and that's why he's stuck there or that he was stuck in his ways or a mean fool who made everybody mad in his life and thus had no friends to help him or maybe he did not worship God perfectly or maybe he was lazy and didn't try hard enough and that's why others beat him into the miracle pools or just maybe he had bad luck or he had a God omen on him or had a poor prayer life. Maybe, 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 right? But the point here is this. And no one could stop Jesus from healing that man if God wanted him to be healed because in his authority, Jesus had the God divine ability to redeem and heal. Look at how he interprets his healing in verses 20 through 22. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And then look at verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, that's Jesus, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, Because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus in part is saying this. This great miracle, your eyes... In your eyes that took even greater huts because it was done on the Sabbath and made me God is nothing. He's saying, I have the power and life in me to make folks get up from the dead. Not only that, I have the power in me given to me by the Father to not only get people up from the dead, but give people eternal life. With death being the heavyweight weight champion of humankind. Everybody gets knocked out by death sometime. Jesus saying, I have the ability, I have the power that only God has to do anything to anyone, anytime. God the Father wants, asks, and sends me to redeem. Now, what does that mean for you and me? Well, if you don't know Jesus... Is your big brother, the Son of Man, and have accepted him as the Lord of your Sabbath and your life. You are left in an incoherent and cruel world without any assurance that God is truly in control. You can't determine with any certainty whether you are a victim of bad luck, or cruel superstition. You're kind of trapped only being a victim of something or someone. You don't and can't know God, so have no hope that God is truly on your side. There is no way you can comprehend your and the world's suffering without Jesus in it properly. You know, you're kind of left stumped and going round and round about if God was God, then why does this evil happen in the world? And, and trying to figure out how good enough you have to be karma-wise to get over and through the hump of problems in your life. You, you are guardian and in this world. Or if you're not a victim, you have to make others feel stupid about having faith. You're always trying to control the suffering and uncertainty in the world by your personal expertise and control and strength or rules. Without Jesus being God, with authority in your world, the folks who jumped in the pool before the man got a chance to be healed You are the one who's always competing and running in the rat race and and trying to outdo or undo others. You, unlike what Jesus offers as the Lord of the Sabbath, are never able to rest. Because you're too busy trying to save and secure and like the crippled man, crawl towards what is at best a superstitious man-made up mirage of hope. But, but, if Jesus is your Lord, then even your suffering is safe in the hands of God. Your success is humbled by the fact that you know if you receive a blessing, it is because it is from and by the hands of God and not your own. If you have Jesus as Lord, then you are free to look at your lack and lack of blessing, years of suffering, whether it's finances or marriage or relationships or mental health or job stuff or the condition of your faith is not because God is not because God can't do it, but looking to Jesus, knowing he can and will when he decides to do it. Because whether he does... Or does not bless you the way, when, and how you think he should? Whether you and I are waiting or suffering or struggling or or still praying and still looking to the sky and and still crawling through our mess or or crippled and hampered or or without those deep and sincere relationships and friendships or, or still limping or unable to move forward in your marriage or faith right now with all of your trying and failing and even not trying and succeeding somehow. You can be assured that Jesus, your big brother, sent by the Father to take care of you, has not failed you. Because God cannot and has not failed. And nothing on the inside or outside of you, no circumstance or mean oppression, can or will stop him, except him. I don't know what you're going through. But if Jesus is your Lord... You've not been abandoned. You've not been left without a guardian or or without the care of the Father God. In Jesus, you have all you need and all that God has for you at this time and in the way it is coming. So turn to and ask and and obey your Lord and and stop trusting in your own devices and ways and, and making something that is not more powerful or better than God. Turn to him. As the one with all power and authority in his hand. Stop fearing the something and someone of this world, even if it's you and your problem, and turn to Jesus who's standing in authority of God, makes them nothing in his path. That's not enough to give you comfort to turn to and trust Jesus. It's the one who has authority. To redeem us, the scripture is teaching here that He alone has the love to redeem us. It's such a contrast between the Pharisees and Jesus. He submits out of love for and of the Father. Apparently, they fail to submit to God because of love of themselves and their rules. He's divine. Because he has a divine love for and of the Father. And that love looks like submission to what the Father says and does. Look again with me at verse 22. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And then verses 25 through 30, it talks about judgment. Verse 27, he's given him authority to to execute judgment because he is the son of man. And he's going to judge those who resurrect. Then verse 37, And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me, his voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. You You do not, you rulers of the law, you religious leaders, you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Understand that Jesus, be careful how I say this, Jesus does not consider himself in action and role as the son of man to be the father's equal. There's another scripture in the Bible that says he considered equality with God something not to be grasped. Understand what the divinity of Christ looks like here. It's a strange thing for our world because, you know, you get on the top by climbing to the top. But Jesus' divinity is seen and executed and exacted by submitting to God the Father perfectly. That is love of God because it is love of God's purposes and plans More than anything else, Jesus loved God's truth and commandments. And what's interesting about Jesus, he takes the very commandments that the Pharisees worked over and memorized all their lives, and he actually lives them perfectly. He interprets them rightly. Jesus loves the truth of God in Scripture. Jesus did not even act on or allow his personal desires to challenge God's. He only does what the Father, wants. That is divine love. And it is perfect because Jesus is God's divine son. And for him to say that the father has made him the son of man, the judge, the living and the dead, it means this, that Jesus kept the law of God in the honor of the father and will and righteousness of God so well in his human form that he alone will judge everybody. Even the Pharisees. And these dudes had the, old, had, the, had the law of God memorized. And he said, you don't love God. You read the, the, the law, you read Moses. They love some Moses. Moses was second to God in their minds. Some of them just went ahead and said, okay, Moses probably was the Messiah or David was the Messiah or something like that. Because these guys who wrote the Old Testament, they seem to be so close to the mind and love of God that that some people begin to think this was it. And Jesus is saying, even your love of Moses or or love of God through Moses has failed. Because you're not divine. like when I babysat, I would do what I hadn't even seen my daddy do. Right? So when the brothers wouldn't obey, hey, the new rule is this. Because we're going to do it right in here. And we're going to do it in a way where I look like the man, right? We're going to do it in a way where I'm comfortable. So I would pick the game I always win at. This is what we're going to do. Unless you beat the person you don't get a chance on a video game. I never got off the sticks. So they, I would even try what, what I want, even try to do what mom and daddy do, but without their permission. And then I tried to cover up my mess, right? Let me tell you, when it looked like it was time for daddy to come home, we would clean up everything perfectly. Pushing stuff under the couch. I remember the time when we loved some wrestling. And um, I was running down. I mean, we were playing wrestling. And my, we had one of these hallways where our room was at one end. You know, guest room here, bath, hall, bathroom. And my parents' master ba- bedroom was at the very end of the hall, right? And I remember running from my bedroom just full force down the hall. Jumping up. Because I was going to do what, a body slam or something like that on their bed. My head was this close to the ceiling. I mean, I still remember how good I was. I, I should have been a gymnast. I mean, I was up there, and I, my head almost hit the, um, the light on the ceiling. And I came down on the bed, boom! And the bed went, boom, boom, boom. And the first thing I said, we're having a good time. If Next time I watch you, we are not going to play. So don't tell Daddy. And we fixed it up with a piece of wood. You know, we went in the shed. I don't know how we did it. And I remember daddy sitting on the edge of his bed that night. I'm thinking, please, Lord. (laughs) Believe it or not, I told him about it like 10 years ago. (laughs) And I was still afraid. He was like, I knew something was wrong with that bed. Remember the popcorn covering it with a pine saw? And I thought, pine saw's a good smell. Mama will be happy I cleaned up. She walked in the house, <coughs> what's going on? It smells like burned pine saw in here. <laughs> and so Jesus come along the Pharisees, y'all have cleaned your act up. You try to make your life perfect. You're, you're whitewashed tombs. And what I smell is a burned out life covered with the pine saw of your self-righteousness. Lack of obedience, love, and trust of God is all over this text. Crippled man should not have been looking to a pool to heal him, but to God. That's why some commentators say Jesus calls him sinful. And then the crippled man tells on Jesus to the Pharisees after he's healed. That ain't love of God. But we do the same thing, don't we? We will blame God when things get pressureful on us. Oh, Lord, please give us that house. Get the house, can't pay the bill. God forsaken us, oh Lord, I really I want this woman to be my wife, oh Lord, crying, sweating with the ring in your pocket, all that kind of stuff, 20, fifteen years later. Lord, why? I want out when things get pressureful, just like this man gets healed, we turn on God when things get tough. God, you're not here. You don't love us. You don't care. But he let you know we let he let this happen to me in you know in a we kind of say it in a God was slack way. We confuse God's goodness with life's sin. And sometimes we can't and don't want to accept the difference. And then when he takes too long, and when he does bless us, we start to look at all sorts of prosperity gospel and church magic crap and forcing God into a box to work this way or that way. You know, Jesus won't bless us or or treat us in a way that will, you know. That, that, that we want it's amazing christians are worse at this than unbelievers i i hear christians complaining about god more than i hear unbelievers uh, declaring uh, being mad at god man gets healed in the bible right who healed you you shouldn't be doing this instead of you know the lord healed me man I, i'm not telling on jesus there is He's the one. He told me to take up my bed and walk. Walk Walking legs all strong and all. He's the one. You and I can't be blessed in a way by Jesus that will let us not love God. Jesus won't do it. Because you and I can't and have not loved and therefore obey God well enough to be redeemed. We need the Son of Man, Jesus, to be that for us. He tells newly the newly healed and walking man in um, verse 14, sin and go and sin no more. Something worse will happen to you. When he says, or something worse will happen to you, he is saying this. You think that being crippled for 38 years is a harsh penalty for living in sin? Well, coming before me and not believing who I am will lead to judgment. In other words, we only consider our life a life that is free of condemning, separating from God's sin when we believe Jesus is the love of God set to save us. Otherwise, we will not escape the judgment for not loving God, for not obeying God well enough, for trying to cover it with pine saw. So stop! Trying to live good on your own and turn to the one who was made good for you. Stop trying to be self-righteous and turn to the one who gives you his perfect love for God as your own. Accept Jesus as Savior and only then will you stand before God as one who has the love of God on them and this the eternal life of God offered to them. Don't try to make up and follow new and better self-betterment rules like the Pharisees. It's better to turn your life over to and look to Christ for the change you need to love the law and right that God calls us to. And let me make clear something. When I talk about grace, sometimes folk get confused. It is not that we shouldn't seek to obey and love God. But we will become legalistic and mean and unloving to others and ourselves if we don't truly believe that it it was the love of Jesus for God that makes us right with God and not our good works. And so there is this call to as Jesus submits to the will of the Father that we submit to Jesus as being our Messiah, as being the Lord, as being this God, the Son, as being the Son of Man, as our ruler and King, but not only because he perfectly loves God, but because he perfectly loves us. In perfectly loving God, Jesus refuses to sin. In perfectly loving us, Jesus refuses to overlook those of his people who are trapped and damaged by sin. Everyone overlooked this crippled man, either because they couldn't help him, or they didn't have the ability to make him well, or they couldn't bring themselves to do it again, he made it, maybe he made it hard for them to help him, or because they didn't love God enough to do what God says should be done to help the cripple. Or maybe he didn't love and trust God well enough to seek God to heal him. But one thing is true here. Jesus loved the sinner enough and well enough to not overlook him like others did. But he loved him not only to heal his body, but to give him faith to believe and receive the promises of God as a child of God. Look with me at verse 2. Well, if you have your Bible, you can look at verse 2. If not, just listen. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, He said to him, do you want to be healed? I want you to notice that the Bible says that Jesus saw the man and knew his story. You know what is telling about that? Hear this now. The man was not looking for Jesus. The man did not know who Jesus was. But Jesus, out of love for the will of the Father, which was to express love to this cripple, saw him and knew his issues, and then look at what happens in verse 6 through 9. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the water, into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, uh, going another step down before me, Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, he took up his bed and walked. Now it was the Sabbath and all that stuff. Now, what is strangely peculiar about the exchange is that the man never answers Jesus. Get this, he only tries to tell Jesus how he should be healed. He tells Jesus what he believes is where he is going to get his healing. I think he's hoping Jesus will take him out into the water. But Jesus seeking to give God glory and not the water simply says, get up, take up your bed and walk. He is not trying to show the man how to get healed. He is giving. He is granting. He is gracing the man healing apart from the man's ability to believe and apart from the man's ability to actually get up and do what Jesus wants. One commentary I read made this point. The man was healed in faith before he was healed in body. First to get up after. Imagine sitting there for 38 years, and you're sitting right there for 38 years, and the thing you think is going to make your life better is sitting right there before you, and someone comes up and says, you want to be healed? And he says, get get up and walk. Wait, Wait a minute, didn't I just explain this to you? The water right there, I've been sitting there for 38 years, I'm not fast enough to get in there, as soon as I try to get up, somebody else jumps in before me, and no one's friendly enough to put me in. And you want to ask me if I want to be healed? Of course I want to be healed. Help me get in the water, Jesus. (laughs) To stand up. To get his bed and stand up at Jesus' voice meant that something else was healed other than his legs. Because he took his bed and walked. Not only that, he did it on the Sabbath in the face of being condemned by the Pharisees. That was his true healing. That was the true miracle. You know how stubborn we are in our sin sickness? You know how much lack of belief has set into our lives? And it may not be your whole life. It's just that one area in your life that Jesus just can't beat. You stop looking. But Jesus hasn't. Jesus refused to let anything get in the way of God expressing his love for him. Not his unbelief, not the Pharisees, not the fact that he's telling Jesus, I know how to get healed, you teacher of the law, I know what to do, it's the water. He didn't even let that get in the way and neither will he or has for you and me. Perfect love, the Bible says, "Cast out all fear aside, and love never fails, and nothing we can or did not do can stop the perfect love of God and Jesus Christ from changing our lives. This is good news and the grace of the gospel for messed up and abused and damaged sinners like us because we are often not looking for Jesus or looking for love in all the wrong places and ways. We got love all wrong, loving things and people who will not love us back or loving things that are not loving to God and his holiness. We are unlevel before God, but in Christ. God comes to love us by reaching us and opening our eyes and, and, and giving blessings at just the right time in the right way and the right amount to not lose or hurt us and redeeming us as his own children. What kind of love is this? It is the divine love, the love of only of someone who is God and who is the son of the living God, who can give the father the children that he was sent to get. So like this man, divine love will make us obey and follow and take up our beds and walk through ridicule and blame and walls and fire for God. We will obey and fall and get back up again only because perfect love calls us and claims us to come on and come in and get up and keep struggling on. It is a perfect love. That called Jesus to submit, to do for you what the Father commanded and showed. It's interesting in this text. He says, I can see the Father. And in contrast to contrasted Pharisees. You can't see his form. You can't see how he shaped things for people down here. God made a show and symbol in heaven of a cross. And one on which Jesus, who stood in perfect love with his Father, would feel wrath. And he did it. Out of perfect love for the Father and perfect love for you and me. He used his authority as the Son of God. And his love as the Son of Man to redeem you and me. We can turn to a Lord like that. Because it is a Lord that's turned first to us. Let us pray.